What's up, everybody? I'm TJ. And I'm Kelsey. And we are the, the Nashville, Nashville Wine Duo. Duo. All right, Georgia time. Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. we are on a Georgia trip. We have been doing this for almost three years now, coming to visit the vineyards in um, Georgia. And um, wow, we feel like this is a long time coming. We are finally having Peter Seiferth. Am I saying your last name right? That was great. <laughs> on the podcast. Hey, he's one of our favorite winemakers. Oh, yes. At one of our favorite vineyards yes. in Georgia. Winemaker, so, huge honor. Co-owner That's... of Crane Creek, correct? Correct. That that is very kind words. So thank you. They're all true. <laughs> I haven't even started drinking yet. Wow. Uh, he, has. he had a flight earlier. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you say about me after you have a few drinks in you. So usually the way we go about this, um, well, let's you know, let's just we'll say. So when we first started coming down here, I think we just happened upon you guys by total accident. Because we just were looking up reviews and we were like, let's just visit this place. I think some, one yeah. of the winemakers maybe recommended we visit Crane Creek. Oh, no, you're right. That's what happened. Yeah. Okay. We, so we were at Chateau Lawn. Yep. Oh, and Simone. And, Simone. Yeah. And, um, recommended. Recommended like, you. you go to Crane Creek. Thanks, and, Simone. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. So we were like, okay. And then came here and, you know, I'm not going to lie. I geeked out. I was a little bit over. I was a little bit you're too much. I was fangirling. I was fangirling. Sure, fan yeah, because yeah. the wines were so good. Well, the scenery. The, the scenery. It's beautiful here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an yeah. amazing, yeah. like visually, like just stunning. And then the wines are absolutely killer. Yes. And you feel this, like we were just talking about it before we started, like there's just this like peaceful energy here. Like mm. you just get this, like everything is right in the world in this place right now. And I am just relaxing, enjoying this wonderful wine. And, you know, when you visit a lot of wineries and we have around the whole area, like there is a vibe that you're kind of looking for. And I think sure. this place has that vibe of like, I just want to stay here and nothing here is annoying. And I like it. I like everything about it. So we, we, we can't, that's how we felt. And we just fell in love with it. And it's always been our place that we stop by on the way home because it just puts us on a, a good end to our trip. Yep. And so why don't we just like, just start with you and you just tell us like, from the beginning, how this whole thing happened, tell yeah. us about yourself, and yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, first, I just want to say thanks again for having me on the podcast and uh, and for those kind words. And, you know, that's really, um, I love that you have that experience here because that's really what, you know, we hope anybody who comes here feels that. It's just a place that um, that people can come and just kind of unplug a little bit and just relax. Yeah. Um, so that, it's just really nice to hear you say that. Um, but yeah, just to, I guess, give an introduction. My name is Peter Seifarth again. Uh, I'm the winemaker uh, here at Crane Creek Vineyards, one of the owners. Uh, my father uh, started the vineyard uh, back in 1995. So um, there were virtually no vineyards uh, in the 90s here in Georgia. Um the first vineyard was Habersham, and they started, I think, in the 80s, I believe. Um, uh, but uh, really, there was a handful of vineyards that kind of all started around the same time. That was right around 1995. Um, and uh, my father was one of those uh, pioneers in the Georgia wine industry. Um, so um, 
started in 1995 and just have slowly grown over the years um, and continuing to grow. So um, he first fell in love with wine. Uh, he lived in Italy for about 10 years. He was stationed over there uh, uh, while in the army. Um, and that's kind of where he fell in love with wine. And then when he retired from the army, he decided, hey, you know, uh, why not give this a shot up in the North Georgia mountains? You know, there's some similar um, terroir uh, to uh, the northeast of Italy, which is where he was stationed. Um, and so he wanted to try out, you know, uh, how can I make, um, you know, some uh, some mountain influenced wines uh, in Georgia. And really he based his, um, everybody kind of based their model, the ones that first started off of Virginia. Because mm -hmm. Virginia is, has, has a similar terroir to us, you know, just those, just the Appalachian Mountains in general. Um, uh, and so their model is kind of where we based ourselves off of. Uh, and, um, you know, Craig, Doug Paul of Three Sisters, my dad, you know, they actually all went on a trip up to Virginia. Um, and uh, that's kind of where they started and tried to build off of their momentum. So, wow. yeah. And now, you know, we're 28 years in and uh, it's really becoming quite, quite the industry. Uh, you know, last I heard, we're definitely over 100 vineyards in Georgia um, when but when my father started, we were, there was like five. So, wow. That's yeah. crazy. So like in 25 years, it's really, yeah. uh, really, uh, took off. So, yeah. I mean, we were even driving around yesterday and there was tour buses. Oh Flying yeah. Tour buses. Oh yeah. Yeah. All different kinds of companies now. Like, Absolutely. Like, you know, and I'd be just like, so curious, like, I mean, I don't even think we've even scratched the surface of, of tapping into the market of Atlanta. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like if you go to like, any random person on the street in Atlanta and you're like, Hey, do you know that there's wine in Georgia? Like, I'm not sure how many people would even say like, would even know potentially that there's wine and good wine. That's in wild. Georgia. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really just, it's a, it's a growth market for sure. It's actually true because my uncle, he met up with us at Frogtown yesterday and he said, I had no idea any of this even existed. Yeah, exactly. And he, he's from Georgia. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. It's like, wow. So how do you get the word out? I mean, like how do you, there's yeah. a whole audience there, you know, and obviously true, people love you know? wine. So how do you reach those people and tell them like, Hey, there's. Well, people like you for yeah. one, that's, I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, like getting in front of the wine consumer and saying, you know, because of course there's different types of wine consumers, right? right. Um, and so um, getting in front of the specific wine consumer and saying, hey, we have something that you'd like. We have something. I promise. Come visit us. Mm -hmm. Like We will show you something that you really, really like. Um, so that's – and just slow growth. Yeah. Just over time. Uh, and it's really – really blowing up i mean word of mouth word of mouth is huge. yeah word of mouth is absolutely huge yeah well i mean even for us that's kind of been a lot of it too it's like people that we talk to we meet and they tell people it's like you can't you can't really expect to just like put something out there and then everyone's just going to come attracted to it it's like yeah. you really have to like do the groundwork in real time and like make relationships and meet people and like prove yourself as a business like sure. have people come here have a good experience have a good interaction with a with a staff member mm -hmm. and that has to have has to happen multiple times and oh. then and then the people will come back so it's it's a it's a everyday process of making the right decisions 
you know, and like we looked on, you know, if you go in your Google reviews, you guys have like compared to some of the other wineries that have just as many ratings as y'all do on Google, you guys have like a 4.8. So, I mean, that's really grateful for that. That says yeah. something. But you it know? starts though, like what, like what I was saying earlier, like you drive on the grounds and it's beautiful, you know, then you come into one of the tasting rooms because there are multiple on the, on the mm -hmm. property. Then the wine is awesome. Right. Then you interact with the staff. They're all friendly They're all and educated and yep. they, we, they can make great. So it's from start to stuff. finish. Yeah. Crane Creek has delivered uh, an exceptional experience. And then they have Paris and company, which is like this brilliant yes. freaking lunch brunch spot. Yeah, so it's like Nina and Sid do such a good job. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. They yeah. Can spend yeah. all day here and just be it's got 100 percent happy. It's like a trifecta. <laughs> you know, it's like it's got everything going for it. Yeah. But um, and there's also a lot of other things that like set you apart, which you, you know, every time we've met with you, you've talked about like the hybrid grapes and yeah. how that is really like a passion of yours and what I you hang I hang my my hat on the hybrid. Yeah. Sure. So why yeah. don't you uh like dive into that and how you really That's like yeah, absolutely. So, um, so for the listener who doesn't know what a hybrid grape is, I'll just kind of give like a basic breakdown, just yeah. a really quick explanation. So really, um, there needs to be historical context. So in the late 1800s, there was this um, crisis that was called the phylloxera crisis. So this was a, um, a pest that came, that originated in the Americas and then traveled overseas, uh, via boats. Cause they were like, Oh, I'm going to plant some of these new American grapes, uh, in Europe. So they brought them over to try them out and plant them. Well, what did that do? It brought over phylloxera. So phylloxera lives in the roots. Well, the, the reproductive cycle of, uh, of phylloxera is in the roots. Um, and it decimated, I mean, horrifically just destroyed the European wine industry. And they were, you know, freaking out, like they were going to lose all their grapes. Um, and so they were scrambling to figure out, okay, how can we save this? And so um, originally there were, they would cross, they would crossbreed the European varieties with the American varieties to try to create some uh, vines that were, that were resistant to this pest. Um, and so that's what we call the French American hybrids. So there's these different camps of hybrids and the French American hybrid are those ones that were hybridized in Europe in order to, uh, to combat that. Um, and um, ultimately though, uh, a guy named TB Munson out of Texas, I believe, um, discovered with grafting that you could solve the problem. So now 99.9% of vines in the world are grafted onto American rootstock. So they're grafted onto rootstock um, that is of American origins and that allows them to, um, to survive phylloxera. Um, so, but those hybrids still exist. So we still have those hybrids um, that not only are, are resistant to phylloxera, but they're also resistant to a buttload of other pests, mm -hmm. mostly fungus. Um, and so what does that mean? It means that they're more resilient uh, to global warming. They're more resilient to, uh, to the pressures um, of different pests. They uh, require less spraying. Uh, they're just more sustainable in general. And that's why I love hybrids. But 
the biggest challenge I've had is getting over the hump of, oh, well, this isn't the Europe, the classic European grape. So, you know, it's not worthy of fine wine. It's not worthy of fine wine. So, mm. um, which I very much disagree with. Um, uh, as a testament, we're drinking uh, <laughs> uh, our estate Chamberson, which is personally one of my favorite wines so that I've made. Um, and you can make a classic old world style, old world European um, dry complex wine out of hybrid grapes. You mm. just can. And I'll go to bat to that. Anybody, yeah. you know, like um, it come try my wine <laughs> and let me change your mind. If you think that, you know, you can. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm very, very passionate about hybrids. My father really pushed hybrids when everybody back then poo pooed him. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I literally was brought up with this underdog story right. of these hybrid grapes. And so it's just even more invigorating to me because I just want to continue pushing that, you know. Well, he's passed the baton to you. Exactly. Like, like, yeah. You run the exactly. race now. You tell the story. You exactly. You get people hooked on it. And there's a story to tell. Yeah. And there's a story to tell for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And now you know, we're just now scratching the surface. There's some really great winemakers doing some really amazing in the fine wine world using hybrid grapes. Hmm. Um, and it's just really, really starting to scratch the surface. So how many French American hybrids do you think varietal wise? Like, are we talking? There's so many. So, um, I mean, there's a handful of popular ones, so I can go through, um, some of the popular ones, the ones that we grow. Um, Chamberson is a really, really popular, um, one that's grown on the East coast a lot. Um, and a lot of times vineyards will grow Chamberson and then just put it into their, you know, their cheap blend, uh, like, like cheap fruity, maybe even sweet blend. And they don't really give it the love that it, it deserves in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are some, of course, East coast wineries that are really focusing on it and trying to make some really finessed mm -hmm. Chambersons. Um, and then Chardonnay, I love Chardonnay where we'll be harvesting it next week, probably. Um, you can make some just super lush, like barrel fermented, really structured whites out of it. And that's Inota, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, Chardonnay is super nice. Um, there's some crazy random ones too. Like, um, like we grow a grape called Viard Noir. Um, there's a lot of places that grow Viard Blanc, um, but uh, we grow Viard Noir, which is a red version of that grape. Um, and I yet to find anybody else that's growing it. Wow. Um, if, if anyone's out there, hit me up because, uh, <laughs> cause like, uh, I can't find, uh, we, we got it from a nursery, uh, the nursery that we got it from stopped making it cause no one would buy it. Um, and so now we're trying to do new plantings and we just have to graft our own. Like right. we, oh, like, wow. We have to propagate our own. Cause you can't find it. Anymore, yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, it's really cool and it's nice cause I feel like oh, I'm saving this grape. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, we make a rosé out of it. So I have made a red out of it and I actually don't like the red, but the rosé, oh man, it's killer. It's so good. And that's, what's the, uh, the old man. Old man. Old man. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 uh, our, one of our, just so good. One. Just such a good rosé. Yeah. It's so good. So good. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. Is that 100%? Um, so it depends on the year. Yeah. It depends on the year. I think that one has Vidal in it too. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. So Vidal Blanc is another hybrid. Um, 
Vidal Blanc kind of has uh, more rep, though, in the fine wine world because of ice wine in Canada. Mm-hmm. So ice wine is made predominantly from, from Vidal Blanc, which is a hybrid. Yeah. But Vidal is super, super, super nice. Super yeah. great. Yeah, it's a great grape. Yeah. Wow. Such a cool story. <laughs> I think I love, like, the underdog aspect of it, too. Me, too. Yeah. And, like, the... Yeah, like we're going to be kind of pioneers in something. And, it, mm. you know, because I think we can look a lot around the world around us and be like, oh, there's not a lot left to discover and to see, you know. And it's like, I think you even, you were the one that I quote often where you're like, when you, or maybe it was Jess, your wife, like once you realize, once you start to dive into the world of wine and you think you know a lot, you realize you know nothing. Yeah. And one of you said that. I don't know which one. Um, but I, that's always really stuck with me. And I've repeated that to people too. And as our journey, you know, it's totally different than your journey, but we are still doing it in a different, totally different way, but we're in the wine world. Yeah. And the more I dive in, the more I'm like, wow, like, it's just, there are so many things happening. And, um, it's true. I felt like we even learned on this trip a lot of how, um, like the winemaking process in America is very tailored to Americans. Yes, and, um, a lot of like you're, it's almost like they're making different, that's almost the same thing, you know, same kind of grape, same kind of wine, but they're making it different for Europeans. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is the alcohol content being higher here yep. versus in Europe. It's a lot lower because they're kind of trying to not be, you know, they're wanting to enjoy it more with food and have it take longer and not feel like shit. Yes. <laughs> and yes. here it's like, it's, Oh, we see the American consumer is, they want more. They want it bigger. They want it sugary. They want it fruitier. They want it more alcohol because they want to get drunk quicker. And um, you, you, then you're like, wow. You're now you're seeing this whole aspect of like who's out there for it for the right reasons. Who's out there doing it because it's it's become this massive industry that some people it's like are they out for it to make money, you know, or are they really doing it because they have this passion? And like that's why I think I love you guys from the beginning is like you are doing it for all the right reasons because you love it because you're passionate about it because you're farmers you're wanting to make a product that is superb and not something that you're just like oh well we just want to make people just give something to somebody so we can make money that's sure. not how it is and yeah 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 no yeah well i mean yeah we definitely make sacrifices in profit for yeah. for um for being making the wine that we want to make. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, without a doubt we do. So, um, not to, you know, hate on anybody Mm-mm. who's, you know, if someone wants a profitable business, you know, yeah. more profitable business, Hey, more power to you. Right. Um, but yeah. But I, I want to know what I'm drinking. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think yeah. that's kind of like we, through doing this process too, we've met more and more people that are advocating for more transparency with winemaking. And I feel like that's what I mean when I'm like, see these big box people, it's like, there's just not a lot of transparency and it's a lot of like kind of a marketing technique to get people to drink certain things. And then they're like, Oh, whatever. And then they don't really know what's in it. They don't really know the process. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're right in terms of, um, you know, cause like in Europe, there's, there's lots of regulation, there's Mm -hmm. lots of red tape and that's how they get that, you know, that guarantee of, you know, of, whatever it is that you're buying. Right. But in America, there's way less of that. And so really it comes down to what you guys are doing. It comes down to you guys, um, uh, you know, meeting the winemakers, talking to them and trusting the specific winemakers and then relaying that to your audience. 
Yeah. You know, like that's how you, you know, um, uh, it's much harder to have that, you know, that regulatory body in America as they do in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So it really comes down to how do we educate the consumer, you know, on what, um, on what they're buying. Yeah. Right. And then some people, which we've talked to you about this before, like don't want to be educated and they don't care yeah. <laughs> and they just want to drink something that's yes. good. And that's totally fine that's too. Totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. but you know, once you can you- be a big old nerd like me, or you can just chill out and enjoy a glass of wine. Yeah. I'm still learning how to do that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you want to drink wine that makes you feel better. Yeah. You get it from a place like this. Like exactly. if I'm in my opinion, I mean, that's just how I feel. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Well, tell us where you have this bottle open. Yeah. yeah. Let's the talk Chamberson. about this bottle. Yeah. So this is, uh, here. Uh, so this is the, uh, the state Chamberson. Um, it's, uh, it's really just, um, kind of, uh, really a distillation of what I was talking about of kind of, you know, like I'm making, you know, this and the hellbender are like two are our top shelf reds and they're hybrids. Mm-hmm. They're both phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So the Chamberson, would you say like for people that are listening, like compared to like a Cabernet or something like that? I mean, it's, this is a medium to full bodied kind of yeah. grape, right? I mean, you're definitely getting, it's definitely like medium bodied. I mean, um, it's, um, it's going to have almost like, that high acid alpine mm. red that you may get um, in more Germanic reds mm. or um, yeah, just that like, you know, that higher altitude, lower alcohol, higher acidity, gotcha. um, definitely structured. So um, it's going to have that, you know, that high acid and low pH that is going to allow it to, you know, age nicely. Um, it has really high anthocyanin content, um, which is the color. And that really helps with aging as well. What word did you just say? Anthocyanins. 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 That's a new one for me. Giants. Yeah. I'm going to just say that around town. Yeah, throw that out. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll, uh, you can fool people like me, uh, fooling you that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, the other day, somebody came in. Um, to Trader Joe's where I work. And she said, she was like, I guess she works at some like really like nice, like wine restaurant and she said i want something that's fruity and woodsy and i'm like hmm okay i actually think this one might be not necessarily fruity in my opinion but it's woodsy it kind of is woodsy like i picture myself in the woods drinking this wine it's got earthy it's got well it just reminds like i literally my mind immediately went to a forest like i don't know why but it just did it has you know um it's in it's not like in super aggressive oak yeah, and I don't mean oaky at all. It's no, weird. Sure, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's like it, like it has that spice. It has yeah. it has that you know crushed leaves. Of yeah, fall. you know. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe for sure. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, what about the label on this one? What is it? So this is um, the barn being built. Okay. Um, I forget the year. Um, Were you born yet? No, no, this is <laughs> <laughs> my dad might have been. I don't know. Um, no, no, this is like 1920s, 30s. Oh, so, thing about Crane Creek, too, Peter, they do some awesome labels Labeling. on their yeah. wine. Shout out, shout out to Jess. Jess. Jess, Jess yes. does some amazing Jess labels. Does, I mean, just like. So, she does all the labels, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's what I thought. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Does. Very cool. I love that. Yeah. 
Wow. So how are y'all doing? What's going to be in the future? What's in the future? Well, right now it's just crazy because it's harvest. So it's just like I'm running around just like a madman. When but, do you think you'll start? Because I know you mentioned. So we, we're probably like a third of the way through. Okay. Um, we almost have all the whites in. Nice. Like I said, the Chardonnay. Yeah. Chardonnay can hang super long and um, it just keeps all that acidity really well. So it can hang really, really, really long. And because um, I do a barrel ferment on the Chardonnay, um, I like the P the pH has to get up to a certain point uh, for me to do some specific uh, fermentation practices. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like just to let it hang, get it super nice and, you know, ripe. Like yeah. Suits, yeah. Super ripe. And Chardonnay is great for that. Um, but like the Zusa, for instance, is fermenting right now. Um, it's really, really nice. Yeah. The Gruner this year turned out super, super well. And, um, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Were great. you affected by any hail or anything up in this region? Like how was the, the turnaround for like fruit and stuff? Um, was so this year, yeah, uh, for us, we fared like fairly well. Um, the biggest cross to bear for us up in the mountains here, uh, is frost. Yeah. Um, so spring frost, that's when we're most, um, that's the scariest time for us because uh, we can lose a lot of yield. Um, but we fared really well. The whole East Coast got hit, though, pretty hard this year. Um, of, of course, there's places that fare better than others. Um, but um, from what I hear, just the whole East Coast was hit pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but luckily, we fared. We did lose uh, some yield on the Norden. So there's going to be a yield, uh, yield reduction for the hellbender for the 2020 uh, okay. uh three hellbender yeah yeah because we were an hour from here in delanica and they said they really dealt with hail damage mm -hmm. this year like really bad. affected their crops and stuff like that so i know you guys are interesting yeah wow. so like, no yeah we, like that i've never we've never once experienced damage from hail here so that was the first i had heard of yeah. something like that no but, that's crazy yeah. so i um i was just uh i was just in tuscany like a couple of months ago two or three months ago and they had they, they're having crazy hail issues right now. Really? Yeah. Um, I was in like the Siena area. Um, well, they're attributing a lot of this to like global warming, right? Oh, abs absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, yeah. Ask uh, if anybody's a climate denier, um, ask any grape grower, a wine grower. <laughs> like it's happening. <laughs> and we, will, we, will, we will tell you otherwise. Yeah. Um, it's very apparent to our industry. Yeah. That's um, what we've heard. Yeah. So, um, but that's what's very cool about hybrids is because hybrids are much more resilient. That's what you said. Much more resilient to that change than vinifera. Um, what's really cool too is um, in Europe now, um, check this out. Probably a lot of people don't know what this is. Um, it's called peewee wines, P-I-W-I. Uh, and Google that up. It's this really cool program. Uh, it's in Northeast Italy. Uh, I think it's also in other countries as well, but they're specifically doing modern day hybridization, but specifically for Europe. So that way what? they're, so they're making new hybrids, but like modern day awesome. hybrids, but for, uh, for Europe now. So it's hybrids. I'm telling you guys, yeah. hybrids, the steam, like we're the, on the hybrid train, man. We're with you. Yeah, dude. We're the, like a passenger. The train has left the station <laughs> and mark my word in like the next five to 10 years, you know, it's going to be like a really big deal, I think. Yeah. So. But you do feel kind of like, I know you've said this before, like we talked about, like maybe, like do you, I don't know, do you think like a lot of people in the wild world think that it's like a joke? 
pretty much. Oh, the grapes? Yeah. I think I I think potent not a joke, but it just wasn't taken seriously. Yeah. I just think they were just like, oh, okay, yeah, like like they would think of it as if like uh, like how you would how how like a winemaker would think of like blueberry wine or something. Right. 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 It's just like not even something that they're like considering yeah. as like on the level of uh, um, of scrutiny, let's say that you would put onto you know it's it's like it's just a different category in their mind, right? Right. Um, but you told us this has been going on for like a very long time. You told us about the movie. Oh like, yeah, it's been happening for long time. It's been happening a very long time. <laughs> and what's really cool, like so, our grape Norden that is in Hellbender. The history of that is so fascinating. Um, uh, I suggest reading a book. I, it's called The Wild Vine. I believe it's called The Wild Vine. Um, and um, I forget her name, um, but she has the vineyard called Chrysalis, which is in Virginia. Um, and uh, Well, it's not her book, but uh, she's, she's followed in this book uh, and her story. And um, it's all about Norden. It's all about this grape Norden and just the history of it through America is just so fascinating. I definitely recommend it. And basically it was lost due to prohibition. Mm-hmm. Prohibition basically just like chopped it off at its knees. And just now in the past, you know, 15, 20 years, it's making a comeback. It's making a comeback. Yeah. Um, and so now uh, I like to think that we're one of the um, uh, in contender of like the top, you know, five to 10 producers of Norton right now. Um, so it's insane. <laughs> so like, yeah, so I really, it's really, really cool. Great. Really cool history. Yeah. So the operation here has obviously grown a lot. And every time we come here too, we do talk about how like your family moved from like house to house and now yeah. they've become tasting rooms, which mm-hmm. I think is like fascinating. Peter's lived all over Very the property. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've, yeah. I've lived in every house. Yeah. So how many total have you lived in? Let's see. So we first moved here. It was the, just the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. So the 1887 farmhouse, the original tasting room, uh-huh. right? Um, so that was the only one on property. So it was just me and my brother and my parents, we moved up here in 95. I was six months old um, and basically just lived in that old farmhouse for the first uh, really three to what, really four to five years as we just, as my dad started planting the vines um, and just slowly, it takes years to get, yeah. uh, get this going. So, um, and then Holly Hill, which is where, um, Paris and company's building. So mm-hmm. that was the next building that was built. Yeah. And that's where we lived. And then we turned the farmhouse into the tasting room. And that's this French restaurant that you have. Exactly. So now this is, uh, Paris and company, which is, uh, the restaurant that leases the space from us. And that's Sid and Nina and they do an amazing Oh, amazing food. Fan, amazing oh, food. Gosh. Amazing food. So um, if for nothing else, come visit us so you can try their food. So, <laughs> oh, like for real? Okay, like no lie. Like we are, we're from Nashville and we brought some people from Nashville and all of us were like, you can't get this kind of food in Nashville. Like you can't get this this good of a breakfast. Oh, their brunch? Oh my God. Like it's just like <laughs> so mind blowing. Like. Yeah. We were with a man, you know, the people that were with, he's a man of few words. And he was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, he took a bite food. this morning and he just made this sound. And she yeah. was like, oh, it's that good. Yeah, oh, yeah. she said, oh, you never do that. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, like, so no cool. lie. If you come here, like, it's yeah. great on a Sunday here today. Because it's like, okay, we, you know, the winery doesn't open till 1. Yep. You make make a reservation because they will be packed. Yep. Yep. And uh, oh, the lobster bisque. 
I had lobster bisque for breakfast. Their lobster bisque. It's off the freaking chain. So good. Chunks of lobster. And like mm-hmm. this guy too that I was telling you about, he said he's allergic to lobster. And he's like, oh, let me try it anyway. It's fine. Wow. Like, it's not good. It's, it's not, not good. good. Anyway. He was so, willing to die for it. But yeah. So then the next house after that that you lived in. Uh, next house. Um, so while we, my grandparents, uh, they built a house that's right next to that restaurant. Yeah. Um, and that was a rental property for a little bit. Uh, but now Jess and I actually live there. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. But um, my family lived in there while we turned um, the Paris Company building just to an event space. Um, and so I lived there. And then this was built, the Stone House. So this mm-hmm. is um, this we lived in. Um, and But it was always in the back end. My parents had, they were like, this this would probably be good in tasting room. So the design is very much um, lends itself to a nice tasting totally. room. So did they design it, you think, like that on purpose? Like oh, no one, like, yeah. we'll live here for a bit, but then it'll be a knowing, tasting room? Knowing my dad, yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's always, you know, he's thinking about it in that way, which um, I, I admire about him. He's yeah. always thinking forward in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this... Uh, the stone house was built. We lived here for um, for a number of years. Of course, I went off to college. Yeah. And I was, you know, doing, but my parents lived here. Um, and then um, I think it was 2021. Yeah, two years ago, uh, uh, we officially opened this as the new tasting room um, and, uh, and event space as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... And it's great because yeah. it's like you get a different vantage point from like each one of these spots. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, yeah. from the restaurant, you can sit outside in the back and you get this this beautiful view of the vineyard. And then you go to the other tasting room where kind of the, it's like a little bit further down and you get this gorgeous view of like the pond and like looking up towards the vineyard. And then you come up here and you're looking down on everything, which I'm like, it's another thing that's also very unique about this space is like you're getting different vantage points yeah. from this vineyard and you're able to very uh, like experience the whole vineyard. Like it's very walkable. Yep. You do walk yeah. up a hill to get here, but you could also drive your car up here. So you don't have exactly. to walk if you are. So I feel like you guys, you know, like you're also very, um, you know, accessible for people that might have a wheelchair or oh, things yeah. like that. Like Absolutely. they can go to, you know, different areas. And I really appreciate that too. I feel like you guys have really thought about the space to make it accommodating for any kind of, person sure absolutely. so i mean you'd agree yeah, that, right 100%, 100%. yeah yeah so i i really i love that and i love seeing it from all the different angles yeah you yeah. know if you know if if i erased my brain and i you know was coming over the first time like i think the the best experience would be to come up here to the stone house first get a tasting and really get introduced to the wines uh enjoy that tasting and then grab a glass of your favorite, and then um, or a bottle. That's not cheap, man. Or a bottle. No, no, no. <laughs> or and then I would stroll down through the vineyard, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, through the pond, you know, past the ponds. I, th- I would then go check out the farmhouse market. Yep. yep. Um, there's lots of really, really um, great curated options there. Lots of food options there, just for snacks and stuff. Um, but check out, you know. Check out the old farmhouse, um, and then I would go have dinner at Paris and Company. Totally, and that's like that's the move. That sounds like yeah. a perfect day. But that's yeah. the thing too. It's like you like what you're saying. You thought about it. It's like it's so thought out to be like from the beginning of when you get here, you can experience all these different things in one place, and and it feels very. I don't know. It's like it's almost just like it feels really big, but then it feels really small. It's like it's wild. I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a magical place. It's a magical place. So yeah, we just want everybody to come here. And we've been talking about this for the past couple of years. We've actually, a lot of people have told us they've come here after we've talked to them about yep. it and been like blown away by yeah. it. And we get messages a lot after we've showcased yep. you guys. Oh, so great. Like, we're yeah. here at Crane Creek. Like, oh, that's amazing. You know? so yep. That's so exciting. Definitely, if you love good wine, good scenery, good people, you have to come check out Crane Creek. And just Creek. a place, like what we said in the very beginning, a place that you can come. And if you want to just get away from it all, like yep. relax your mind, like just feel like you're in nature mm -hmm. and also, but in just this great setting where you're just, yeah, you're enjoying your time. And I, I feel like that's been every time I'm out here, I'm like, I just don't want to leave. So, I mean, if you're looking for that, you should visit. Easy drive from Nashville, four yeah, hours. Four hours and you Atlanta, get to drive on the Ekoe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've it's talked about beautiful. that with you. Yeah. So yeah, where do every, where does everyone find you? Like yeah, tell us, tell, tell, tell them where, the tell them all the socials, all the socials and all the place and where we are right now. Absolutely. So Crane Creek Vineyards, you can uh, really follow us on Facebook or Instagram. That's where we're most active. That's just at Crane Creek Vineyards. Um, and also check out our website because our website has a lot of information. Um, gives a really great history. Jess actually just updated uh, the um, like our history tab, and it's so good. And you get like a really great timeline of you know of where we started and now you know to where we are now. And then also, um, it, if you enjoy our uh, our wines, uh, we have a really great wine club yes. um, that's really really popular. And um, you basically commit to a case a year. And so there's four shipments of three wines and you just buy the wine. There's no extra cost. Um, and you, oh, you get, just buy the wine. That's it. You just be buy in the, the club. Wine. Exactly. Yep. You just buy the wine and you can pick the wines up so you can schedule to pick it up. We have pickup parties. Uh, so you can come if you're in the area. And, but of course we ship it. Um, if you can't come and pick up, um, and then you get all these added benefits. You, you get 10% off everything flat if you're a club member. So basically a lot of times people just show up and they're like, Hey, like I love your wine. Um, uh, and they're like, well, if you just want to be part of the club, you get 10% off, like everything, everything right now. Yeah. And that stacks with half case and full case discounts. So, yeah. um, if you enjoy our wine, I mean, that's the best bang for your buck for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. and, um, yeah, so definitely check out the wine club uh, 100%. and that's on the website. Yeah. Well, and actually after everything we experienced, we're going to wrap this up, but all the other wineries we went to and then we came here, I was just like, man, like the tasting, you're all tasting value for what you get. I mean, it's great. Like you guys, I mean, the price is here. That's another thing. Like you're getting quality mm -hmm. quantity for That's, a great price. That is my, yeah. that is my goal is to not have the price creep to like crazy numbers. You yeah. Know? Like I always want to um, be giving you value at a fair price yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's great so yeah. well thank you so much for doing this with us today Absolutely. And yeah everyone just come check out crane creek and yep. young harris it's a, a great drive you can stay around this area there's a lot of other you know places to go and see but this is the place to be so yep. yeah awesome, <laughs> cheers, Peter. Yeah, cheers, cheers. thank you guys Yay. always a pleasure <laughs>